Good evening and welcome to NTD News. I'm Stephanie Cox. Here are today's top stories. Former President Barack Obama and his wife's portraits are going up in the White House. President Biden held an event today unveiling the official portraits. A new report cites anonymous sources who say the FBI found a nuclear document at Trump's home. Reactions on the Hill and Trump's latest revelation about what the FBI took. Top government officials refused to turn over emails sent to major tech companies. Attorneys general in two states say the emails may reveal collusion. How did the judge rule? Mysterious clots, findings that embalmers say they started seeing only recently. Why an embalmer says he chose to speak out and why he says others may not. And Project Veritas has struck again. This time, an assistant principal shares how he only hires teachers who have a particular belief. President Biden today unveiled the official White House portraits of former President Barack Obama and former First Lady Michelle Obama. The Obamas joined the Biden family for the event at the White House. President Biden and First Lady Jill Biden hosted the Obama couple on Wednesday for the portrait unveiling. This is the Obama's first joint return to the White House since they left in 2017. Unveiling the portraits of two dear friends and two great Americans who are still held very tightly in the hearts of the American people. Portraits that are going to hang on the walls of this sacred place, the people's house, forever. And a reminder of all here and now for those to come to power that hope and change matters. Robert McCurdy painted Barack Obama's portrait, and Sharon Sprung painted Michelle Obama's portrait. Robert is known for his paintings of public figures, Toni Morrison, the Dalai Lama, Nelson Mandela, Muhammad Ali. Uh, but what I love about Robert's work is that he paints people exactly the way they are, for better or worse. On Tuesday, a reporter asked the White House press secretary if Biden would hold a ceremony for former President Trump if the portraits of him and former First Lady Melania Trump are ready during Biden's term. So we, we defer those questions uh, to the White House uh, Historical Association, who actually they lead the process on official portraits for both presidents and their spouses. So that question goes lies with them. The White House Historical Association is still in the beginning stages of making official portraits for the Trumps. Reporting by Allison Lee, NTD News. A Tuesday report says the FBI took a document about foreign nuclear capabilities from Mar-a-Lago. While some say it raises grave concerns, others question the report's legitimacy. Here's more on reactions around the Hill and responses from the former president. A Tuesday report by the Washington Post says the FBI seized a document during its August Mar-a-Lago raid describing a foreign government's nuclear capabilities. The newspaper says it got its information from people familiar with the search who wanted to stay anonymous while describing sensitive details of an ongoing investigation. The White House, meanwhile, declines to say whether it has spoken with any other countries on this issue. We don't have uh, any calls to foreign governments to read out at this time. But the latest allegation is prompting heated reactions on the Hill. While some say they need more information... I'm not saying I'm not concerned about the whole situation. I'm just saying I don't have the facts. 
Republican Senator Lindsey Graham says he's seen this movie before, where reports about Trump working with Russia turned out to be, quote, flat-out false information. That's as Senator Marco Rubio, the top Republican on the Senate Intelligence Committee, says the leak to the media was intentional. When there's an investigation by the FBI or Justice Department, they're not even acknowledging there is an investigation, much less leaking. The only reason to leak to the media is to influence the narrative. Democrats, however, say the report of documents on foreign nuclear capabilities raises great concerns. It is a literal outrage for the president to take this important information down to his home in Florida. I can't believe that more Republicans don't step up and say the same. And the Democratic chair of the House Intelligence Committee says the report begs the question why Trump would take and keep those documents. The former president has previously denied reports that he had nuclear documents at Mar-a-Lago, calling the issue a hoax, just like Russia. Trump has not, however, directly addressed the Tuesday report, but said Wednesday the FBI took his tax records and confidential medical files during its August 8th raid. Two states suing the Biden administration may get their questions answered. A federal judge has ordered high-ranking officials to hand over emails sent to major tech companies regarding alleged misinformation. NTD's Arlene Richards reports. A Trump-appointed judge Tuesday ordered White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre and Dr. Anthony Fauci to turn over emails they sent to social media companies. This comes as a result of lawsuits filed by two states in May seeking to expose alleged collusion between high-ranking government officials and social media giants to censor free speech. The lawsuit alleges that more than 50 government officials applied pressure on social media companies to censor users. But some officials refused to answer questions, including Fauci and Jean-Pierre, claiming that some documents weren't relevant to plaintiffs' claims. Fauci and Jean-Pierre have 21 days to answer questions and hand over records. Arlene Richards, NTD News, New York. Mysterious fibrous clots are showing up inside people who have recently died. Some embalmers say the clots are found in most corpses these days, and they've never seen anything like it before. And a warning that some viewers may find the images in this report disturbing. Several embalmers across the country told the Epic Times they've been observing strange fibrous clots in corpses they work with. They report the phenomenon started either in 2020 or 2021. They say the clots stand out because they're exceptionally big, at a maximum as long as a human leg and as thick as a pinky finger. The embalmers also say that clots in corpses have become much more common. One embalmer said he finds them in 50 to 70 percent of all corpses he works with these days, up from 5 to 10 percent prior to the pandemic. It's not yet known if the new clots are caused by COVID-19, the vaccines, or something different. However, many of the embalmers say from what they've found, it seems like the clots are connected to the vaccine. Some doctors speculate that the spike protein used in the vaccines can cause string-like structures which the body doesn't break down. The clots found are lacking iron, potassium, magnesium, and zinc, which, according to experts, shows that these aren't just normal postmortem clots, because normal human blood always has those nutrients. And earlier today, I spoke with one such embalmer, Richard Hirschman from Alabama. He tells us more about discovering these clots and what compelled him to speak out. Richard Hirschman, welcome to our show. Thank you so much for joining us. 
Thank you, Stefania. Glad to be here. Now, tell me, why did you choose to share your findings? Well, I decided to share my findings because I felt like humanity may be at stake. There's definitely something that has changed that I have noticed in the blood since the middle of last year, maybe around May or June of 2021. And it's been eating at me and therefore I have to come out and speak to say, hey, something's wrong. Most doctors aren't gonna see what I see and I have to get it out there because I feel like humanity might be at stake. And what makes you think that this could be related to the vaccines? Well, at first I thought COVID was responsible because there were some reports of uh, uh, extra clotting that was going on with people that had COVID. However, so many people uh, uh, were having these clots but didn't have COVID. So therefore, it's, it's the timeline of when this stuff, I started noticing this. The, the, the timeline being the middle of 2021, you know, you know, four or five, six months after the rollout of the vaccine is when I really started noticing the difference in these clots. Therefore, I feel like, you know, there must be a, a, a correlation there. And do you think that many in the medical community are turning away from abnormalities like this? Well, I'm sure many people in the medical field are seeing it, whether they have time to investigate or whether they're afraid to speak out or be censored. I have no idea, but um, I know that there's people in the medical field that are seeing it. So why they don't come out, I, I, I don't know. I know you've told the press about this. Is there anything else that you're doing to try to find out what's causing it? Yes, I've been reaching out to some doctors. Some doctors have reached out to me. I have sent samples to different doctors around the country and they are investigating this. And hopefully we'll come up with uh, answers as to what this is, but most importantly, the reason for coming out was to find solutions in order to help people. You're not the only embalmer seeing these changes. You've said that some people may not be speaking out due to fear of retaliation. Why is that? What are they afraid of, do you think? Well, there's a few reasons. Um, one, nobody wants to be the first one on the dance floor. Uh, but another uh, reason is a lot of times it seems like the media, social media, people want to you know, ridicule, uh, make people look like a fool. And so I think they're just afraid to speak out because they don't want um, to be made an example of, just like the doctors that have lost their jobs, just like the nurses that have lost their jobs for refusing to go along with the narrative. I think people are just afraid to speak up nowadays. And why aren't you afraid? I am afraid, but I feel like God has led me to this point in my life where I feel like I have to do this. I know something's not right. I know what I see. And you know, no matter how much people try to discredit me or say anything bad, I know what I know. I have samples to prove it. I didn't come out initially because um, I didn't have any evidence to back up what I'm saying, but I have lots of evidence. I have vials and vials of samples of these clots I've sent dozens out to doctors and pathologists. I know what I see and I, what I see is not normal and it's not right. And therefore I have to do what I have to do. 
All right, thank you so much, Richard Hirschman, licensed funeral director and embalmer. Appreciate your time. Thank you, Stefania. Summer is coming to an end. Does that mean we're going to see winter lockdowns again? And will that help keep COVID-19 numbers low? Our reporter spoke with a doctor to learn more. Dr. Pamela Popper, president of Wellness Forum Health, tells NTD restrictions might be coming back now that winter is approaching again. There are a few counties that are masking and some schools that have already uh, said that they're going to mask children. And uh, the colleges and universities generally are requiring vaccines for admittance. So this is far from over. Dr. Popper says the government and people shouldn't overreact in their response to the virus, and sick people should just stay home, similar to how most deal with the flu. Think back to 2019. If a 19-year-old person had said to me or to you or anybody, oh my gosh, it's going to be cold soon, I could get the flu, what do you think I should do? I mean, should I take something? Should I stay home? Should I wear a mask? Do I get a vaccine? We would have said, come over here and sit down. Let's, let's just settle down for a minute. Data indicates that lockdowns don't stop the spread of the virus. Australia had one of the strictest lockdowns on the planet. As you can see on this graph, according to Johns Hopkins, Australia's case numbers per 100,000 residents is higher than that of the U.S. and higher than Sweden's, which had almost no restrictions. An archived WHO document from 2019 talks about using lockdowns to contain viruses. Home quarantine of exposed individuals to reduce transmission is not recommended because there is no obvious rationale for this measure. However, some doctors say they believe lockdowns saved at least some lives, and some Americans say every life saved is worth locking down for. Reporting by Arian Pastar, NTD News. And Project Veritas is at it again. This time, an assistant principal says he won't hire teachers who don't align with far-left or progressive values. NTD's Jason Perry has that story. Project Veritas continues to do undercover work, and this time it's to expose efforts to indoctrinate children with socialist ideology. There's like a read-aloud yeah. about um, an animal or about a boy that said he wanted to be a mermaid, and it's like a way to start like an aggressive was like, you should be whoever you feel like you should be, and that was kind of like the message of the read-aloud. Yeah. The man speaking is Todd Soper, and he is the assistant principal for grades K through 4 at the New York City Department of Education's Neighborhood Charter School in Harlem. An undercover Project Veritas reporter asked him this. What would you do, though, as a principal if you knew there was a conservative applying? Would you hire such a no. person? Soper then explained that he can learn more about the applicants' beliefs if they say diversity is this. You know, like everyone is equal, like those things that are well-intentioned statements, but they're missing the depth of understanding yeah. of how like, the intersections of our identity um, live out in the world. It's like that person. Yeah. I spoke with Paul Rossi, who was a teacher at Grace Church School in New York City. He blew the whistle on the school's curriculum, which implemented elements of critical race theory. And unfortunately, these individuals that Project Veritas is exposing, these are not outliers. They are representative of what's happened. Um, I can't speak to every school in the country, but to so many schools and school districts, both public and private, uh, across the country. 
He had this message for teachers who may disagree with the ideologies they have to teach, but are afraid to speak up. You have a duty as a teacher to educate your students and not indoctrinate them in a particular political viewpoint, which is what this is. So I would challenge them to, to, to look for ways that you can make a difference because you, you really do have a duty to do so. We reached out to New York City Department of Education's Neighborhood Charter School in Harlem for comment, but we didn't hear back before airtime. Jason Perry, NTD News. The raging Southern California wildfire continues to spread and evacuations are underway. NTD's Jackie Rios brings us the update. A deadly wildfire in the city of Hemet in Riverside County continues to rage out of control. Lives have been lost, several properties have been destroyed, people have been evacuated, and schools have been closed. We talked with firefighters to learn more about the Fairview Fire. Rob Rosin, PIO for Cal Fire Riverside County Fire Department, said the fire started on Monday around 3.40 p.m. According to latest reports, it covers 7,000 acres and is 5% contained and has so far spread rapidly. Rosin said that so far, seven structures have been destroyed and there has been loss of human life. So far, we have had two fatalities as a result of this fire. Uh, there's also been one uh, victim that suffered uh, burn injuries. Uh, those, that's the extent of our uh, fatalities and injuries at this time. Rosin said that although the cause of the fire is under investigation, California is no stranger to droughts and fires. But with the recent heat dome cooking California for the past several days, it leads to a prime fire situation like the one in Fairview. And to battle the blaze, responding firefighters carry supplies to last them for 24 hours. Uh, those packs can weigh up to 40 pounds, uh, and they're carrying those on them during the entire firefight. So it, it's an extremely uh, physically uh, demanding job, uh, but our firefighters are up to the task. With over 3,400 homes in the impacted area of the fire, Rosin had the following message. So it's, it's very imperative to that when we have these kind of uh, fire events and there's mandatory evacuations issued, uh, we need folks to heed those evacuation uh, warnings and orders. Uh, it can be a matter of life and death. Firefighters from all over the region continue to battle the Fairview fire from the ground and in the air in an ongoing effort to increase containment lines. Jackie Rios, NTD News, California. Coming up in the NFL, the season starts Thursday night with the defending champion Los Angeles Rams in action. But it's their opponent who's the betting favorite to win it all this year. That and more coming up. Russian President Vladimir Putin says Russia and the developing world have been cheated by a UN-brokered Ukrainian grain export deal. He also made his first public comments on Britain's new prime minister. NTD's Joy Dugud brings us this report. Russian President Vladimir Putin said on Wednesday that the way Britain chooses its leaders was far from democratic, a day after Liz Truss replaced Boris Johnson as prime minister. The procedure for the election of the head of government in Great Britain is far from democratic. It happens within a party, which won the previous parliamentary election. The people of Great Britain don't take part, in this instance, in the change of government. 
The ruling elites there have their arrangements. Putin alluded to the fact that she was chosen in a leadership ballot by members of her Conservative Party, not by the whole country. In her previous role as Foreign Secretary, Truss irked Moscow with what it saw as Russia-phobic comments and vocal backing for Ukraine. After meeting Truss two weeks before the invasion of Ukraine, Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov said it was like a conversation between a dumb and a deaf person. Putin spoke at an economic forum in the city of Vladivostok in Russia's Far East. He also took aim at a grain deal, brokered by Turkey and the United Nations, saying Ukrainian grain exports were not going to the world's poorest countries as originally intended, but mostly to the European Union. Putin said only two of 87 ships carrying 60,000 tonnes of products went to poor countries. Just as many European countries acted in previous centuries as colonialists, this is how they continue acting today. They have once again cheated the developing countries and continue cheating them. It is obvious that this approach will only intensify the scale of the global food crisis to our great regret. This may lead to an unprecedented humanitarian catastrophe. UN data shows that cargoes went to China, India, Egypt, Yemen, Somalia and Djibouti as well. Putin said that he would contact Turkey's President Tayyip Erdogan to discuss possible restrictions on which countries can receive shipments. In response, a Ukrainian presidential advisor said that Russia had no grounds to revise the deal and that the terms of the wartime agreement were being strictly observed. We believe that the grounds for such statements are attempts to find new opportunities, a new format to hold blackmail negotiations in order to influence the UN mission. The grain deal signed in July aimed to avert a global food crisis by guaranteeing the safe passage of ships in and out of Ukrainian ports, allowing them to export tens of millions of tons of grain. Joy Dugid, NTD News. And now over to sports news. Here's NTD's Dave Martin with today's top stories. For the first time in more than three decades, the Buffalo Bills enter the season as a betting favorite to win the Super Bowl. Caesars Sportbook has the defending AFC East champs atop their list at 6-1 to one odds, with Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just behind them at 7.5-1. The Bills kick off the season Thursday night against last year's champions, the Los Angeles Rams. LA, along with the Kansas City Chiefs, are third on the list at 11-1 to one odds. Green Bay, with two-time reigning MVP Aaron Rodgers back at quarterback, rounds out the top five at 12-1. Elsewhere in the league, the New York Jets have announced that starting quarterback Zach Wilson will miss at least the first three games of the season as he recovers from knee surgery. Just two days ago, head coach Robert Sala said the second-year quarterback looked good in a workout that day. But Wilson, who suffered a torn meniscus in a preseason game on August 12th, has yet to practice. The Jets open the season with Joe Flacco under center against Flacco's former team, the Ravens, on September 11. In baseball news, Mets ace Max Scherzer was put on the 15-day injured list with what's being called left side irritation. Mets manager Buck Showalter expects the three-time Cy Young winner to only miss one or two starts. 
Scherzer was sidelined for seven weeks earlier this season with a left oblique injury. The 38-year-old is 9-4 with a 2.26 ERA in 20 starts this year. The move is the latest blow to a Mets team that's dropped three straight games. They're still in first place, but now it's a tie with Atlanta in the NL East. New York has led the division for all but one day this season, at one time opening up a 10.5 game lead on June 1st. But while the Braves have won six in a row, the Mets have lost five of their last eight. That's all for your sports news today. Back to you, Steph. Thanks, Dave. And that's all for today's news. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Stephanie Cox.